0: Welcome to the Midwest Football Podcast, episode 24. As we wrap up week three of the NFL season, we can help all our Midwestlanders understand what is going on in the NFL one step ahead of everyone else. Our heart and our home is the Midwest, and those are the teams we cover. The Bears, Bengals, Browns, Colts, Lions, Packers, Steelers, and Vikings. We're recording Tuesday, September 26th. 2023. I'm Joe Smith coming to you live from the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan, where Mel Tucker has no intention of going quietly. Here's my world traveling friend and broadcast partner, Chicago's own Brian Rosenquist. Brian, have the Bears reached out
1: to you with a quarterback contract lately? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to take it. Uh good afternoon, Midwest landers and friends. Uh coming to you from a stormy Orlando evening. Uh just got back from uh barricade number 15. Uh We were in Kansas city at the Taylor Swift game. Um, Unknowingly, we got really good seats because I uh, booked us in the back of the stadium side with a boost. So we were in the shade the whole time, but apparently we we're also sitting about 30 feet from Taylor Swift. So who knew that was the highlight of the game. We were uh, probably closer to a celebrity who is probably the peak, most popular person in America right now. And we were close enough to her. We're, We'll probably never get closer without getting tased by a bodyguard. So I think that was pretty cool <laughs> from that perspective. Yeah.
0: Considering um, Taylor Swift could probably like release a minute and a half track of her brushing her teeth and have it go double platinum in twenty-four hours. At this
1: point, absolutely. I mean, obviously all the jokes are maybe she can kick Rusher to Usher to the curb in the Super Bowl halftime show. And then when her and Kelsey break up in November and she performs at a Super Bowl that he's playing, and it could be super awkward. So that'd be fun for drama and stuff, you know. But uh <laughs> So uh, before we dive into that game and stuff, just, just a little history since me and my buddies from high school do this every year. So uh, I'll try to keep it a little short, but it's been a fun snapshot. So we started the Bearcation, um 2009 in San Francisco. I was living in Seattle. I don't know why you call me tro- globetrotting, <laughs> having recorded from Florida and Texas so far. Um uh, I saw the 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 Bears were playing the Niners in San Francisco, and I thought a lot of my buddies moved to the West Coast, like from uh, San Diego, San Francisco, L.A., even Portland and Seattle. And I said, hey, let's see how many guys on the West Coast we get together. San Francisco is kind of centrally located. And, uh, and a couple of my buddies, uh, John and Sean, came out from Chicago, and I said to them, like, why are you guys flying all the way out to San Francisco? You can watch the Bears plays at home all the time. And they go, yeah, it'd be fun to see a new city and that ended up being the smartest thing because that game was a 10 to 6 loss where Jay Cutler threw four ter- interceptions inside San Francisco territory so you can imagine how infuriating <laughs> that is when uh you lose that game by four including four shots into the end zone at the end of the game I'm pretty I can't remember if the last one was picked or if that basically was the fifth turnover in the in Niners territory but the bears easily should have won that game and they didn't Uh, The next year, um, I had moved from uh, Seattle to Charleston, South Carolina, and I saw the Bears were playing Miami, and uh, John and Sean were like, hey, I'll join you. Let's go to the game. That should be fun. And Bears beat uh, the Dolphins 16-0. And I always remember is the Brandon Marshall game, because Brandon Marshall played for the the Dolphins at the time, because people forgot he started in Denver and got traded to the the Dolphins before he was – I think he was most known to be a Bear – and the end of the game, it was a blowout. All the Dolphins fans were uh, heading out. And the Bears fans started mocking uh, the the Dolphins that were there that whatever. And Brandon Marshall started talking back. But it was, like, funny because it was, like, really playful. And by the end of the fourth quarter, like, Marshall was just going back and forth with all the Bears fans in the stands, like, really playfully. And we all were just kind of like, we kind of started talking trash, but we kind of really like you. And I always remember it because we're like... I kind of like that guy. That'd be kind of fun if he played for Chicago and then he ended up being the greatest bears receiver of all time, a couple of years later. So that was always a fun memory. And then, um, the, uh, the next year, uh, the three of us did new Orleans where, um, (laughs) I always remember Jimmy Graham's breakout game, which was bittersweet. Because if you remember, he was on my uh, keeper league team for like seven years. This was one of his first major games, but of course it was against the bears while I was in person. Yeah, that um, was
0: Rosie's attempt at a Stump
1: the Commissioner Award winner. I had heard of him, but he still got him. <laughs> that was – well, the, the bittersweet part was uh, Gronkowski was on my radar that year too, and I was like, I don't want to pick between two New England tight ends. I'll just go with Graham. He's – he's you know, and then they, Gronk ended up being better, but I had no regrets getting Jimmy Graham for like seven years, you know. Um, but I always remember one of my buddies, we leaving the stadium. He was so disgusted. He just took his Jay Cutler jersey off, which is probably $100, $200 at the time, and just threw it right in a garbage can outside of the Superdome as we were leaving. He was so pissed off at Cutler. Um, so that was another another pair painful barrication memory. Uh, the fourth year, we did Jacksonville, which was one of the coolest that I remember because we basically partied at my house. We was, it was my house housewarming party because I just bought my first ever house. And this is when the barrication officially became a thing because we had our core 3 that had been to all of them but now um in addition to Sean John and I uh Phil Toby and Crispy started joining us and we all flew into Charleston at my house and then we had a little housewarming party and then got rent the a car drove down the coast to the Jacksonville game where the bears proceeded to annihilate Jacksonville 41 to 3 which was cool and then uh year 5 was Washington it was the first year we had the idea to get a Airbnb which was really fun which has really changed a lot of it um, I was, I'll never forget losing. We were like, we scored 41 points and lost, and we were just like, what the heck happened? I think that was year one of the Tressman era where our offense was good and our defense was bad. That was Mel Tucker's first year as a Bears coordinator, giving it 45 points. And then we had the, uh, new England game where we thought it was going to be Brady's last year. And I think that was nine years ago and he finally retired. Um, that was <laughs> a blowout. And that was one of our most miserable in-game experiences between the weather and the uh, result. Um, year seven was San Diego, where the Bears actually won. Jay Cutler had a last-second comeback, and it was a record for attendance. We had 10 guys come out for that vacation. occasion. Uh, then we had a Houston, Tampa, where we did a little deep-sea fishing. Everyone got sick on the boat in Houston, so nobody wanted to do it again in Tampa. Tampa was another miserable one, where it was, a, it was the Mike Glennon revenge game because he came over from Tampa only to help Tampa win and Jameis Winston's first start as a uh, the number one overall pick, and then Aaron Ru- uh, Arizona where Rich Kid Rosen lost his first ever start against Chicago. Uh, the Rams was a very boring, forgettable game. Year eleven Titans was our COVID shortened year where four of us showed up. We didn't even actually go to the game. We just went there st- uh, and then locked ourselves in a in a um, Airbnb. We all drove to avoid traffic and stuff, you know, because it was twenty twenty. Uh, Vegas was a great one that was 13 lucky number 13 for John Gruden because that was the week the emails broke and all the controversy started coming out so we'll never forget the Bears won that game they went on to suck and fire their coach the Raiders went on to make the playoffs of the interim but um, it's pretty obvious in hindsight now the Bears won that game because of all the controversy of Druden because that was when the news broke that week uh last year was dallas which was a lot of fun the bears kind of kept pace with them it was fun to watch fields but the bears defense sucked. that was when fields still gave us hope now we don't have much so obviously yesterday was our uh our t swizzle game and uh 41 to 10 beat down so that's the history of the barrications onward and downward five and ten baby <laughs> yeah. If you're having a better time watching this, sh- listening to this show than Brian had in Kansas City,
0: help our podcast grow by giving us a five-star review, commenting, contacting us via our email, which is midwestfootballpodcast at gmail.com, or recommending our show to your friends. This week, we'll discuss a major wide receiver injury to a starter that can't seem to avoid major injuries. We'll talk about an NFL Hall of Famer burying a current starting quarterback, We'll bring you all the analysis, of course, from last week's Midwest football games, plus one more thing at the end. But first, Tua is seeing the field so well in Miami, you could say he has 70-20 vision.
1: (laughs) I didn't even realize that Waddle didn't play in that game until today. That's how bad that beatdown was.
0: 350 (laughs) passing yards, 350 rushing yards.
1: I'm actually bad. I think they claim that uh, Mike McDaniel said he wasn't up the score because he didn't kick the field goal at the end. But I think if he kicked the field goal, they would have gotten the record. Just go get the record. Sean Payton's already upset, you know. And I
0: think the current record holder is the Bears, actually. Well, from you know, like the '30s.
1: It's funny because it would be appropriate if the uh, Dolphins broke that because you know they 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 toast to the '85 uh, Dolphins ending the Bears you know undefeated season and all that stuff. So. I know a lot of Dolphins fans down here that take pleasure in ruining Chicago's fun, so they missed their opportunity. I could have, ju- I could have jumped ship. Could have sold me if they had broken the Bears' record. <laughs> but to, I out. mean,
0: you should have heard Shannon Sharp go crazy on, uh, you know, whatever show it is that he does on ESPN. Yeah, I I don't listen to a lot, but you yeah. couldn't miss this one because he was on fire. I mean, Shannon Sharp. Played for the Broncos.
1: Yep, Hall of Fame tight end.
0: Yep, and absolutely one. He was one so best. good in his era,
1: so good. I mean, not but, just the Broncos. Um, I mean, people. He won the Super Bowl with the Ravens, I believe. But yeah, he was great. Great talking point too. Yeah. I, I gotta go. So look he look was. Those clips. They had the Dolphins had seventy points with
0: over eight minutes to go in the game. <laughs> they were trying to
1: run out the clock and couldn't. Well, the funny part is. The Bears were down 34 to nothing at halftime, which is on pace for 68. And the Chiefs didn't even get close to 70. It is hard to get to 70 unless you're playing a D3 football team and you're Alabama in college. Like, that is ridiculous. This is the kind of score that you
0: get from the University of Michigan in 1938 playing the
1: Salvation Army. I mean, this is a game where chosen robbie anderson or robbie chosen whatever he name is now i mean out of the league for like a year or two or whatever i don't know what happened to him scored a touchdown on patrick sertan because the dolphins backups were torching the broncos starters like sorry sorry broncos you can be upset but if the backups are in destroying your starters like just remember though look ahead of your schedule we'll cover that later broncos fans you, G, my buddy gino we were checking in on him uh to make sure he was alive he's a big broncos oh. fan wellness um, check well we were giving him crap so we weren't we were actually talking <laughs> him close to the ledge but <laughs> but he's still alive um and he looks forward to pushing me off the ledge this week so um yeah. it, sticking I mean, around in the well go on by the way, it was about
0: a year ago at this time that Peyton in the broadcast booth was publicly saying that Tua was not going to make it as a quarterback in the NFL and needed to be benched for Teddy Bridgewater.
1: I mean, it's um, one of those things where, let's retroactively write this, the history of Tua while we're here, just out at the top of my head. His draft class is so good. You have Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. So people – we talked about this. I was listening to our show the other week. Tua is the only one who hasn't signed his mega deal yet. And he – the term tanking for Tua was the thing throughout most of that college season because he was the best. Jalen Hurts is great, but he was benched for Tua. That's how good Tua was. And then Tua had that major Bo Jackson injury that was a formerly career-ending injury in college at Alabama – And then he had the concussion stuff. But we're starting to see that Tua is as good as his hype was when he was at Alabama. It just took another year or two to get there, you know? And can you imagine if he was in any other draft class, how much better he would be than all those guys? But that might be the best quarterback draft class since the Marino Elway one in the 80s. You know what I mean with those four guys? Because now Tua might be the best. And you would argue he was the fourth best last year, you know? So props to The only thing... The only
0: question for Tua is, can he avoid the concussions?
1: Yes, exactly. Can he stay on the field? Well, hey, props to him. Yeah.
0: It's not just, this was not just Tua, though. This was also 350 yards rushing. There was, this is a team with speed all over the place, Miami Dolphins, that reminds me in a lot of ways of The Greatest Show on Turf, Yes, where the team was just so fast that there were teams in the NFL that just could not keep up with them on the field at any position and they're naming their score.
1: Yes. And I don't, I don't know how you keep up with it. Cause like with Tyreek and this is only a matter of time before this happened because Waddle and Hill are like the Splash Brothers of football, where they put so much stress on the defense. You have to cover so much more court field than you have to against any other team because they're so fast. And they're not just speed burners; they can break off their routes, they can win contested catches, they can run slants and take it. Like they're dangerous anywhere you play them. And it was only this is what yeah before guys like Moster and A Chain with that speed start taking advantage of the light boxes and ripping off huge runs.
0: This is what the kind of team that Al Davis was trying to build for the Raiders except what the Dolphins did was pick actual complete football players who are also really fast.
1: Yes, exactly. That's well said. So um, props to them. I mean, it's, they're going to be fun to continue watching. So, um, speaking of uh guy, quarterbacks who have had issues with health recently, well, not issues, but, uh, Derek Carr looked great. They were up 70, nothing on the Packers. And then he got body slammed into the ground and took out his uh, shoulder, I believe it was an AC joint sprain. So he's week to week and Jamison Winston came, Jamison Winston came in and, uh, Immediately went down 0-18 to the Packers. Although he did technically set up a game-winning field goal attempt that was missed.
0: That is true. I mean, it. This is bad news. It looks like Derek Carr is not. I don't think is a great quarterback. I think he was being horribly overrated this this year. But he's a legitimate NFL starter. Jameis Winston is going to win you games with where he goes crazy and he's going to lose you games where he throws four picks. Mm -hmm. So this there's a lot of sentiment around this New Orleans team that this might end up being a lost season if the shoulder is turns into something severe.
1: Well, it's a shame because I will say I was always down on car. I thought he was very overrated because I look back on his career in the Vegas and he had two winning seasons out of nine and they were very fluky. But this year through a couple of weeks, week, two and a half weeks, I thought he was very competent at running a team, getting the ball to Olave, Michael Thomas, their running backs have not been good, but their defense has been good and he's been doing a good enough job, making plays, managing and putting them in position to win week after week. And, I legitimately think that the saints are the best team in the, in that division at this point. But when you saw the drop off from him to Winston, that is it really hammers home that, like you said, there's a difference between competent and dumpster fire. And um, I want to turn this around. Um, looking back on this now, the Packers lost to the Falcons. were on their way to getting blown out by a Derek Tar led uh, saints and beat the horrible horrible bears are the Packers even good I actually thought they were a pretty good one and one last week but now I'm kind of questioning them after they won like I had the exact opposite where they beat they lost to the Falcons last week and I thought they had a good game and they deserved to win now they lose to the Saints and I feel like they're a bad team now like is this am I wrong
0: we'll talk more about that when we get to this week's games
1: okay sounds good
0: um, we also wanted to touch on poor Mike Williams, who was in the middle of a monster game when he blew his knee again and is, is going to be out for the year.
1: It's the most Mike Williams game ever. He put up like a hundred yards, a couple scores, and then is out for the season. Like, he's always been a scary best ball guy, but you never know when you play him. Um, it was confirmed to be an ACL, so he's out for the season. It was a weird thing where I read that he was going to be ready for the start of week one before I even read that he was out. <laughs> so that was a weird uh, order of operations for the Twitter sphere, the X-Sphere. Or whatever at?
0: they're calling it this week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so get well soon, Mike Williams. But this means some serious opportunities for some young receivers to step up here. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in New York, Jets uh, quarterback Zach Wilson is causing everybody in the world to lose their mind, especially Jets fans, starting with Joe Namath, their legendary quarterback who willed them to a win in Super Bowl three, who is saying, let me see if I can get the uh, some of the actual quotes up here. Uh, Let's see here. this will be a shortcut quote i don't believe in him nathan said of wilson on monday this is being reported by uh the la times uh, duh, duh, duh. quote i know it's going to go on deaf ears and whatever but what we see on a day in and day out basis is a young man who is uh much improved from a year ago this is Sol- Robert Sala. Much more confident, you know, much more glowing terms. Nathan, poor uh, Joe Namath isn't buying it. (laughs) Uh, Asked what he thought might be done to help Wilson improve the L.A. Times rights. Broadway Joe said, send him to Kansas City to back up someone like Mahomes and maybe he'd learn something. I wouldn't keep him. You know, I've seen enough of Zach Wilson. All right. I've seen enough. This was a report by uh, Chuck uh shulkin chuck Shilkin of the uh, los angeles times
1: i gotta be honest i always laugh when they say uh people need to like back up a good quarterback to learn how to play quarterback because i i feel like joe burrow in cincinnati just came in and learned how to play football i feel like coaches can coach people there's a there's something on the onus to the players and there's just <laughs> zach wilson <laughs> versus trubisky at number two overall i think i'd rather have trubisky <laughs> and this is coming from chicago fan i mean he's terrible i don't know like would you re- speaking to number two overall picks i think carson wentz is available i'm not i've never been a fan of him but i think i'd rather have him than what i see out of wilson right now bring him off the street you know i don't know what i don't know man
0: i know they were talking I- about
1: I heard they were talking to Washington about Jacoby Brissett a couple weeks ago, but maybe that fell through. But what's your take? Well,
0: you know, here's the, there's the problem. There's the Jets have repeatedly said they're going to continue to work to uh, with Zach Wilson as a starter because they have to. There aren't any viable, su- possible Super Bowl winning upside quarterbacks available in free agency. Like, are you really, you know? 10 wins better with, with say, I don't know, take your pick, went than you are with
1: uh Zach Wilson. Really, 10 wins? So they don't even want to try to, like, make it to the playoffs. They're just like, screw it, we're in the Caleb Williams Bowl now. Do they even have their first? I guess they have their first-round pick next year. They only gave up their second to Green Bay now that Aaron Rodgers is out. So if they're, if they're trying to actively tank, I mean, welcome to the club. Chicago and Denver have something to say about that. I think they're still trying to win, but... they're not if they're playing Zach Wilson. That's a joke. The bottom line is they
0: don't have any draft capital to go and get anybody that would actually be their starter. Thank you to uh, the Green Bay Packers, plus other trades that they've made. So the people that have a a backup that's good Um, enough to actually play... Mm Mm-hmm then they they're not giving them up
1: i don't know i just feel like they have a lot of talent on that team and a lot of young talent and even getting in a jacoby myers type player just to even try to sniff the playoffs would be good experience for a lot of those guys if only for the sanity of garrett wilson that being said if you look at the receivers outside of garrett wilson that team is not as good as people think their defense is great the running backs are explosive but I mean, it's just hilarious. We made memes all the offseason. It was uh, Aaron Rodgers like, hey, these Packers are, don't give me good receivers. And then he brings all the washed-up old bad well, – never was this, to play alongside, you know, to fill out the roster behind Garrett Wilson. And it's not good behind Wilson and uh, Breeze Hall. But, I mean, hey, they got two guys and Dalvin Cook. But – I mean, it's it's just a wasted. It's I don't know. I just hate seeing him go down with this guy, especially because we knew Jack Wilson wasn't good already. I don't know why they're so invested. in anybody, any street free agent, I'd give it a shot. But maybe he's young enough, and they see more than we do in practice. But doesn't translate onto the field. Shall we move on to the game reviews, or do you got any other comments? Absolutely.
0: On this? Yeah, that's yeah. Basically, it's a mess that the national media is trying to make into a speculative clickbait frenzy that I'm telling you, I would be very surprised if they made a major move at quarterback. Anyway, on to our week three game reviews. We're going to start off with the early games here, with beginning with Titans and Browns. This was such a major Watson rebound, but he looked great. But the question is, was it more of a step forward for Watson or was it more the Titans are awful against the pass?
1: Yeah, so it's a result of 27 to 3 victory, domination by the Browns. Um, I, I think it was both. I mean, I, I kind of figured he'd do well against that pass funnel defense. Um, it was his highest graded um, P- uh, grade uh, game by PFF by over 10 points. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes is just, you know, we see this in college all the time. You got to play a bad team to just get in the flow, you know, get your cupcakes in early and then you're ready to play the real games. And, um, maybe that can help him uh, get his feet. What? Yeah. Get right game. Yes. That's what they call it.
0: Jerome so. Ford played, uh, he looked good, but not elite. He was fine. Kareem hunt was involved in just after just a couple days uh kareem hunt was lightly involved in the playbook just a little bit couple days after they signed him uh so we don't know what that's going to look like going forward but it looks like jerome ford is getting the in and out work and then kareem hunt is taking some third down passing down kind of stuff but that might change going forward well the defense it- though is the real deal.
1: Yeah. I was going to say also we had Pierre Strong work in there for 6 carries. He was actually the best-looking guy on a yards per game cases. But Ford was, don't let the uh don't get discouraged by his 18 yards on 10 carries cuz the Titans have have been a very good run defense the last few years and bad pass defense. So like what we saw where Watson had his best game and the running game had their worst is kind of to be expected, but Jerome Ford still snuck in two tight touchdowns, one on the ground, one in the air if you're in fantasy. But I will say um to your point they worked in hunt a little bit i i think i don't know if hunt's going to take over the role from ford he'll probably hunt will probably take over that pure strong carries but if you paid a hundred dollars in your fab and blew your entire budget on ford you're not happy by the kareem hunt signing but if you're a browns fan that gives you two capable backs and a one-two punch i think that um I think they'll be fine. I wouldn't be too disappointed by their carry. And like you said, the defense is awesome and poor Tannehill.
0: Yeah. Jerome Ford, remember, was the guy that beat out Kareem Hunt in the offseason. They cut Hunt to keep Jerome Ford. So I've got to believe that Jerome Ford is going to end up with the better role between the two. Because I don't think it was just because Ford was cheaper.
1: Yeah. Oh, hey! Breaking news: The Jets officially signed Trevor Simeon to the practice squad. So maybe they are bringing in help. Wink. You can't see. You can't see me winking on the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I, you can't see the Jets fans in the middle of an aneurysm either. So,
1: oh Trevor Simeon. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so that's interesting. I, I agree with you with the Drum Ford. They chose Ford over Hunt uh, months ago, and I think we talked about this last week. It was kind of like. Hunt will probably I think we talked about it before Hunt signed, and our thought was still that Ford would be the lead back, and Hunt will probably go back to his old role behind Ford instead of behind Chubb at this point. You know, but Chubbs they seem to give Ford more passing to sit down than they ever gave uh Chubb. So um I'm I'm not yeah. you can stash Hunt, but I wouldn't go out of my way to panic on Ford. Um so what's your take on Taji Spears outsnapping Derrick Henry? Um, this is the second carries, time.
0: But... This is the second time that Tajay Spears has led the Titans offense in offensive snaps among running backs ahead of Derrick Henry. It's also the second time that they that the Titans team has been just boat raised. Mm. So it shows us that uh, Derrick Henry, as good as he is, is kind of becoming situation dependent and if the titans start to fall behind they start taking them out of the game maybe that's something that teams want to try and do i mean you always want to try and get ahead but it might it means that derrick henry is may may not be getting enough carries to find hit the one that's the breakaway
1: I don't know. I, I agree. I think what you said right away was just game script because Taja Spears had all the, ca- all the targets. they kind of read none. Um, I know last year we saw Henry getting more, but they didn't have a guy like Taji on the bench to get the third down passing roll situation. So, but I think it is interesting to see because I think moving forward, Taji is young and explosive. Um, and Henry's, you know, he's been defying gravity for a couple of years now. So who knows? Um, I still think the Titans are the best team in that division. Um, I think they had a really bad matchup. And the question will be can Tannehill rebound after getting, you know, boat raced by one of the best uh lines in football as we talked about, you know, worry about Cleveland. Where worry... if you're if you're if your team looks bad against the Cleveland or Niners front or maybe the Philly or Pittsburgh fronts, I would not panic. I would not overreact to that. In fact, they might be by lows. Basically. What about the Saints? I haven't followed them enough, but I think their defense is pretty good. But the selling point to the Saints defense was always their cupcake schedule early on. So we'll see. It'll True. be interesting. Uh, we can cover the Saints in the in the in the, in the Packers review. But, Sounds um, good.
0: On to um, the Lions, which uh, really showed up and showed out in this game. This was a defensive snuff out where the Lions only gave up about 200 total yards to the Atlanta Falcons. This game ended up being what I call a defensive blowout, which is to say it the margin never really gets out of control, but you never feel like one of the teams is in it.
1: You just don't feel like the Falcons can move the ball, so it's not like you're ever worried. So I I agree with you. Um, The Lions came in and just said, hey you guys like to run the football, so we're going to not let you run, and we're going to dare Desmond Ritter to beat us. And he got sacked seven times and couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. So, um, unfortunately, if you're a Falcons fan, that's probably going to be the recipe you're going to see going forward until Ritter proves he can be an NFL-caliber quarterback.
0: Even Seth is starting to get off of Ritter, and that was one of the biggest supporters that he had. Well, I mean, missing –
1: you saw that pass, right? To The the one he whiffed on, Pitts? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, Ritter,
0: it, throwing like that, Ritter couldn't hit the ocean with a pass if he was sitting in a
1: rowboat. Now, that was brutal. Like, oh, I just feel bad for guys like London and Pitts at this point, but I've seen it for 100 years in Chicago, so... It is what it is. Bijan's still their leading receiver with all the checkdowns and stuff. And, uh, I mean, it's great news for the Lions. Their, their defense looked great um, with basically only one and a half receivers. I mean, it was the St. Brown, Sun God, and Sam Laporta show. Laporta was legit. I think he might be a top six tight end right now. And, and not even not even just fantasy football. I just think as an overall football player, I tight end, I think he's been great. Um, I love it because I said in our draft he was my favorite tight end all around, including Dalton Kincaid. I thought he was a better blocker, and he's already shown he's a really good asset. He's the second leading guy. He got 11 targets along with St. Brown in a league in a game where only four guys got targeted, where uh, Gibbs was one of them and Khalif Raymond was the the other guy. Oh, they only golf only targeted two receivers. What's your take on uh, Gibbs?
0: Gibbs. More and more, the Lions are showing they made a colossal mistake not taking Jalen Carter, because Jalen Carter looks like a possible future Hall of Famer. He leads
1: the, the league in pressures right now, ahead of Aaron Donald. I mean, that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know what they were doing. And Gibbs, looks they could have just bad. held on to Swift.
1: There's no last really
0: year. Last year, last week I was a little rough on uh Gibbs cuz I've seen every or everything was to the outside. Some of that is on Gibbs because he is literally trying to outrun the entire defense to the outside on every play.
1: Mm. That might just take a little bit of time to get used to. He's only been in the NFL for three games. And the teams, even though he was SEC, there's still a little bit more speed in the NFL that he's got to get used to making a decisive cut and just taking the extra three yards instead of running 50 yards to try to make the house at every play.
0: Yeah. um, I do want to address the the injuries that are continuing to pile up for the Lions. The Lions lost two more offensive tackles in this game. So they're down to Penny Sewell and their deckers out that the main swing backups out the backup to the backup is out uh, just some guy that the local sports reporters had to google i mean I, i'm not making that up that's not a joke they legitimately did not know who this guy is it's A sewell and like a homeless guy i don't know what's going on so but then again this team is very good when they don't beat themselves. What is aggravating to me as a Lions fan is I don't know when the next, you know, Dan Campbell is on something that he shouldn't be on game. And we make us uh, stupid decisions that cost us the game. Okay. I'm, I, I expect, I respect that we're going to have to live with that as a possibility with this team. But that also means it's only a matter of time until that happens in the playoffs.
1: So, what's your what's your take on how golf looked in this game? Because we talked about Ritter, but what's your take on golf? Because it was a beatdown, but it was mostly thought, on the defensive yeah, side. We saw
0: a lot of golf's limitations being exposed here. Not entirely his fault, because golf is one of those quarterbacks that can that has good raw skills and can give you excellent numbers if you just insulate him if you protect him and nurture him and coddle him, if you surround him with studs and an elite offensive line and receivers all over the place surround him with weapons, well, that elite offensive line that was supposed to be the backbone of this team is now getting held together with spackle and duct tape. And all those receivers that we thought, well, one of them's on suspension and one and others are hurt, I'm on Ross limping around with something to do with his toe or foot or ankle or whatever. They're not really saying still dropping a hundred yards and still, still dropping a hundred yards. Cause he is that good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What? so? Yeah. I mean, there are people around here that are starting to get nervous about about the Detroit offense. I, I mean, this is evidence to me that Goff is who I thought he was, but as long as they don't pay him like a stud, we don't need him to be a stud. Mm-hmm. He's this this offense has been absolutely depleted of its talent. So the fact that we still had enough to win the game to me is promising, even though, yeah, Goff was
1: kind of exposed. Not like Ritter was, but Goff was kind of exposed. And just to add to that, I think Josh Reynolds was hurt, too. I mean, he was out there, but he was just yep. a decoy. He didn't even get a pass thrown his way. So, yeah, he had some kind it's of brutal and he had a great tissue. game last week you know? So, um, <clears throat> shall we move on to Packers saints? Definitely. All right. So we talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, Packers are down 14, 17 to nothing. Um, car went down and, uh, but the Packers didn't have Aaron Jones or Christian Watson. And, uh, I think Dub's got like 13 targets and like 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, 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 I'm continuing to be impressed by the skill positions with, uh, Green Bay although I'm kind of off on um AJ Dillon I don't think he's very good I mean when you saw how good and explosive Aaron Jones looked week one before he got hurt and then you're seeing like Dillon running for three yards per game I actually have him cue to be cut in one of my leagues I don't think that might be the right move but I just don't feel like I'm ever excited to see him play or start him in fantasy football. He just doesn't seem to be, maybe he's better in the winter, the snow plow, you know, and gets the hard yardage. He's, but he reminds me like of a less explosive Jamal Williams at this point, which is said because he's younger.
0: Yeah. Or like a Ron Dane, somebody like that, where he's just a plow yeah. horse.
1: Yeah. So what's your take on the comeback though? Cause I, I didn't get to see the game. I was, you know, I wasn't watching all these games. So I'm still kind of yeah. catching up on some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, this game was going on at the same time as the Lions game on the same channel. So mm-hmm. I was only able to catch a little bit here and there about the... But basically, it was just all of a sudden, love went insane and the offense was going down the field. Or the shoulder injury... Alternatively, the shoulder injury happens to Carr and the Saints start choking. They met, They had a chance for a game-winning field goal that they missed with like a minute and a half two minutes to go something like that and they missed it and that was basically the game the but to be honest the packers the way that game was going would have had like two minutes and a couple timeouts to go down the field and you kind of
1: feel like they would have won it so what's your take on jordan love after three games because he's becoming very polarizing because um he he completed 50% of his passes this game. Um that's that's a really bad clip in the modern NFL where most most quarterbacks get to 60 65% some over 70. Um he also threw an interception, took a sack, and scored one touchdown. Um he just seems like He's erratic, and it's a weird thing where we he, they kind of run that Shanahan offense, where you know, like you just drop in guys like Brock Purdy that but it works because the guy's accurate and can get the ball underneath, get the ball to playmakers. Love kind of seems the opposite, but it's still working
0: yeah, this I stand by what we said last week about him, where he's not an elite talent, but they've surrounded him by so many with so many weapons that it's working anyway. Mm-hmm. But in the offseason, we talked about how we evaluate quarterbacks, and we think of them not in terms of the stats that they're putting up, because Love has been putting up monster stats, but in terms of how much help do they need to be effective to play at a playoff level Good or a Super Bowl it, yeah. level. And as this we start to lose weapons from this offense, we're starting to see the limitations of a rookie Jordan Love. Well, he's not a rookie, but you know what I mean. He's in it's his, his first, first couple year. stars.
1: It's his fake rookie season. I agree.
0: Yeah. So, and, you know, we're seeing some growing pains. It is possible to become more accurate as a passer as you develop. It's unusual, but it is possible. And you We've have seen it with, Jared, or, it
1: with Jared. We saw with Jared, Josh Allen. So,
0: yep. and we, you have to be coachable and you mm-hmm. have to want to.
1: But it It, looks like this. he's bought into the
0: team culture and he is doing what his coaches tell him to do. So what more can you ask?
1: And I would like to see him with Christian Watson and Aaron Jones and all of his weapons. Because if he's putting up, you know, almost 300 yards on 50% completion. Now you give him his best receipt, well, his most explosive receiver and best offensive player period Aaron Jones that could be scary or he could just continue to miss them. I don't know, but I think at least he gets another extra, you know, good play out of it. Um, you know, we'll, we, we we I don't want to talk too much about him because we're going to lead him off with the pre-preview. So that that'll be a fun one when we get into that because that's our Thursday night game against the Lions. Um, oh, shall yeah. we go on to um, the Chargers because we already covered the uh, car injury?
0: Yes. The Vikings and Chargers was a complete coaching train wreck. This game As was ridiculous. We all knew. <laughs> Well, first, we have not actually mentioned on the air about the Cam Akers trade because that happened after we recorded last week. Oh, yeah. What do you think about the new home for Cam Akers?
1: Well, so I want to see a 30-for-30 30 30 on the Akers-McVay um, relationship because when Akers is played outside of the playoff run where he came back from a Achilles injury where he wasn't 100%, where he was still the t- most efficient running back on that team because they were all inefficient when they won the Super Bowl. But um, he's been... Amongst the top 10 in explosive run rate and broken tackles, and McVeigh keeps burying him for random things. It's weird. It's just a weird thing to see a guy that's been that efficient not get, get continually benched over and over again.
0: Well, you could easily do a one hour 30 for 30 documentary on all the players that Sean McVeigh has scapegoated and run out of town on, especially on offense. Yeah.
1: Good point. This, I didn't think about over that. the last.
0: He's one of those guys that for whatever reason, his leadership style, negative energy,
1: whatever, he's got to have a scapegoat that he can point to. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Akers could do because I think he is a more explosive – I think Madison is a really good career backup, and I think – Filling that role, spelling Anchors, he'll be more efficient too. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think Akers will get that chance because this reminds me similarly of when golf was traded to uh the Lions as an afterthought, because Brad Holmes, that's your GM, I believe, right? That's his name. That's right. He was the scouting director who pushed for Jared golf to be drafted by the Rams because he was with the organization. And Kevin McConnell was an offensive coordinator of the Rams, and he really liked Cam Akers. He was the one who pushed for the trade. So I think this is kind of one of those, our guys on my team. I'm bringing him from the Rams. I want to, I want to feature him.
0: I would suggest that Jared Goff was not an afterthought for the Lions, but they got him at an afterthought price.
1: Exactly. It's one of those like dynasty throw-ins where I got Jamal Williams as a throw-in last year, but I kind of wanted him the whole time. (laughs) now i wish i could get rid of him but it worked out well (laughs) um Um, yeah the cam acres
0: has a remarkable um per game uh usage and uh results history yeah because he has every single year for the last two three years he has been a league winner in weeks the last six weeks and he has been a hot garbage for the first about Three or four, and he just gets continually better as the year goes along. So weird. People forgot uh, his rookie year. He was a monster in the playoffs. Sorry to cut you off. If Go people ahead. look, yeah, if you look at him on a per game basis, uh, taking the entire season, every season, he's almost never a top 10 running back. But if you look at those key games when they, when whatever team he's on finally commits to him and runs him and he's perfectly healthy, he's dominant. So, and I think that's something similar is going to happen again this year because Matt they decided not to make Cam Akers active for the Chargers game. Madison actually got twenty carries, which is like double what he's had in any previous game, and he so he ended up with like ninety yards and another like five catches or something like that. And Madison has also put the ball on the turf four times in the last two games, Mm, and that does not help his case. Yeah, the coach pretty much, without putting him on notice, put him on notice. So I think Cam Akers is coming for the starting
1: job sooner rather than later. I agree. Um, And I also think that if you're a fantasy owner and you have Madison, which some people here might, that was a good sell-high game now because the Chargers have a very – they're like the opposite of the Titans where they dare people to run on them and they they allow it so madison had his best game and that should have been expected despite the fact that and a stat that i heard after we recorded i don't know if this is true anymore after week three but madison had zero broken tackles through weeks one and two which is atrocious for a starting nfl running back of course he
0: also had about 16 rushes through week two so true. that might add something true. that might have been part of it
1: but I, I agree with you on the Cam Akers thing. I think he's the guy to want. You can't cut Madison because he still could be the guy, especially if Akers gets injured or something. Um, but I think for the the game itself, it was a lot of passes, great fantasy, you know, shootout with the receivers yeah. and the quarterbacks are putting up great numbers and terrible coaching decisions. And uh, Brandon Staley probably should be fired despite winning that game. Yeah, I the Chargers
0: defense pretty much saved his job because major coaching blunders on both sides ended this game. The Chargers were oh. in, inside their own 25-yard line, fourth and two, up four points, and go for it on fourth down. You could punt the ball and botch it. So Minnesota has like two minutes to go. 25 yards oh my god they get they needed like a third or fourth down conversion i forget because i was watching this at and so the guy makes the diving catch inbounds and gets the first down and they're rushing up it's a complete cluster and the this is in minnesota the fans are screaming and going crazy they're showing kirk cousins with his hands over his helmet trying to cover the ear holes to hear what's going on they don't clock it at any point so people they're basically doing a scramble drill and cousins throws it into traffic and it ends up intercepted after like a tip and a diving interception
1: i i know i predicted a tie based on the way that these teams are run curse whatever coaching but this is exactly what you would expect you just didn't know which way the result was gonna go just blunder after blunder and someone has to win like oh Oh, I mean Minnesota, I mean hey, their their GM said he he wants to have a quarterback on a rookie contract and uh I mean this last year Kirk Cousins contract and uh he's 0 3. They're looking at getting one of the guys. There's like four or five uh guys that are going to be out there. Maybe they're looking at to next year. I don't think they are. They they shouldn't be. No. But we I don't but want to pile on. They're 0 3. I did last. They're
0: 0 3. That does not bode well for playoff
1: chances. Agreed. Um so you ready to move on to the the, the Colts bowl? Yeah. Indianapolis versus or Baltimore old versus Colts former versus, Baltimore? Old Colts versus new Colts. Yeah. So it's like old. Min- It's old Browns. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Old, uh, <laughs> yeah. We're not I'm not gonna unpack that one. But okay. the bottom line is Minchu Magic rises again. Florida um, man looked I won't say incredible, but he was easily good enough to win that game. He changing types of quarterbacks. Josh Downs with Minshew is absolutely the number two option on this team. He Look looks good. He Fantasy wise, unless you are full PPR, you want no piece of
1: Josh Downs. But yeah, um, I still saw he an, hasn't broken like 50 yards in a game, but he gets a lot of targets.
0: Yeah, he's one of those 12 targets, nine catches, 50 yards kind of
1: guys, you know, yeah, he, I chain mover. I will say this. Fun fact, um, a lot of people faded Michael Pittman. He is the only receiver to have at least eight catches in every game this year. And and that's yeah. quarterback proof at this point. So props yeah. to Pittman. Yeah, he's showing
0: he is a legit NFL starter. And he and in a relatively target funneled offense, he looks very, very good. Mm hmm. The the defense was really good. Baltimore, I was looking at the box score and I have absolutely no idea why, but Baltimore just bailed on an incredibly efficient run game. I was looking at I was looking at some point in the fourth quarter and Justice Hill had like 50 yards rushing on five, or, or on like five carries or something like that. I'm, I may be remembering wrong, but it was well over five yards a carry and they were just not doing it they were going crazy with the passing game
1: I it's one of my big pet peeves is when you see stuff like that where yeah Gus Edwards 4.6 yards per carry uh Lamar Jackson had over 100 yards uh I guess Justin Hill didn't play look at the stats now Melvin Gordon was the no- that's was right the number Hill was guy. the one that was out yeah. So, but yeah, it, but like it, it was kind of my complaint last week when we complained about the Bears, is the Ravens right now they're trying to force a pass first um, team instead of just letting their pass run first quarterback naturally progress into a passer like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen before them. Let them use their legs as a weapon to make it easier to read the defenses and break down the defenses. Let them stress the defenses instead of the other way around.
0: Rushing so, has always been about volume, passing has always been
1: about efficiency, and, hey, and mm-hmm. that and this and that seemed to turn it on its head. But hey, man, great win for the Lions—or sorry, the Lions, the Colts—and honestly, I got to be asked—I I ask you a question. Um, after what we saw from Zach Moss weeks two and three, do you think that they should legitimately just trade? Jonathan or Taylor at this point, because they're getting really good running without their star. Sorry to, I you know I say, pay, I still pay, say pay Jonathan Taylor, but there's so much bad blood. Let him go somewhere else. And believe, they're doing fine without him. To be honest, everybody believe, wins at that point.
0: I believe that the relationship with Jonathan Taylor is fractured beyond repair. So, I also believe that the only reason that he hasn't been traded so far is because the Colts know what they have and are demanding the moon and stars for him. I mean, we are starting seen- to hear rumors that this is that the price is coming down a little bit. I think the I think Zach Moss is really showing well in the fir- in the last two weeks. You know who's showing even better is the offensive line.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They are playing
1: they're New- 2021. I mean, they were one of the best lines two years ago. They fell apart last year, and they are back, baby. And um, whether it's Richardson or Minshew out there, they look very capable. I'm actually – I'm no longer excited just to watch them to see how Richardson does. I'm just excited to see them. They, they, uh, the Jaguars got crushed. The, the Texans look legit after B, after they lost to the Colts. Um, This could be a very fun division. I might back off on the Titans thing, not because I think the Jaguars are going to win. I just think it's an open division at this point now, don't you? We don't cover the Texans, but C.J. Stroud's flinging the ball around, you know, the Colts.
0: You can can make a case that the Colts are the favorite in this division. I'm not sure I'd go that far yet. I think it's more wide open, like you're saying, but but
1: prove me wrong. We talked about this last week. That was my pick. One more thing. I want to see if the Colts' defense is good. You point out they were really good. Their offensive line's really good. Those two things, and their receivers are playing well, their running backs are playing well, and either quarterback's playing well. I think they might just be legitimately good. I think you were on this before me. So, congratulations, Shane Steichen can coach. We've seen it before. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, if you're a betting man, maybe slide in your bets now to win that division because it's only going to get worse or worse odds. I should say, shall we move on to sadder news in yeah. the division in, in our, in our Midwest? So
0: the can, so Kansas city got right offensively with their get well game, um,
1: commence rant. Who is the NFC or KC uh, offensive coordinator. Patrick Mahomes, former Bears head coach Matt Nagy, who was fired and uh, burned an refugee a couple of years ago for how bad he ran the team and the offense, and uh, that must have been very satisfying for him to drop forty or uh, thirty four at halftime on Chicago on his old team. Um, let's just say my favorite joke I heard was the Bears defense is so bad the FBI started investigating the defensive coordinator. We don't want to go down that route too hard, but they did <laughs> he did resign in shame and got investigated. The Bears managed to get a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment stolen at Soldier Field. that um, is not a joke, by the way. It's not a joke that happened. Um and like Brandon Staley, uh, I think that you have to put a lot on the coach, everfluce because when you are a defensive-minded head coach and your defense is god-awful. What are you? What are you bringing to the team? At least in the, the with the Chargers, their offense is good because at least you knew how to hire apparently offensive mind or has talent. But I mean, if the Bears off season, what we needed to see was can Fields take a step forward, and can all the capital they threw at the defense take a step forward because now Everfloos has his guys. He likes building through the interior with the safeties and the linebackers and they have those. Um, and apparently the defensive tackles without a pass rush on the outside. Um, he has his guys. This is the year that the defense has to do something. And it's very concerning that fields gets worse every game. And there's some controversy about fields versus the coaching staff. Now I didn't even read into those comments cause I'm just, I don't care. Um, the bottom line is I got to hang out near Taylor Swift and um, get some really good barbecue. So uh, all, I could sum up this rant. I'll keep it shorter. The Denver Broncos lost by 50 points last week and will be in soldier field as three point favorites. That's all you need to know about how bad the bears are, or at least how bad everyone thinks they are. How are you, if you don't know the betting lines, Home team gets three points, so that means that everybody thinks the Broncos are a six-point better team than Chicago after losing by 50. If they played on a neutral field. On a neutral field. Like, that's all you need to know. I mean, I don't know what else there is to talk about this. I'm at the point, like, like you after the Lions lost week two, like, the, the Bears have to do something to show me anything other than that. I mean, I'll watch them but I have no hope that anybody will be good. I don't care. Like Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, DJ Moore fields, do something, show me something. That's your job. You have to play your players. My,
0: I got, I was watching this game on TV. This was the game in the Detroit area and in the afternoon. And my immediate take was fire this coaching staff because this is, as we've talked about before earlier in the, and throughout this off season, this Chicago bears team has to run with volume in order to have any significant chance of success. And the defense has been, was so bad. This, the bears play more zone defense than any team in the NFL. And this, and Patrick Mahomes destroys zone defenses better than any team in the NFL. But somehow, the Bears didn't move off of zone defenses until the first digit of the
1: uh, Chiefs' score was a four. I mean... So, Mahomes wasn't even in the game anymore. I think they picked off his backup at some point, which set up the touchdown. So, who cares? You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you are... that, You can't be that committed to zone... When you know that you have no exterior pass rush to speak of or one guy. You also just have to mix things up. That's just a fatal flaw. The whole, the point of zone is to, as a, unless you're like the Steelers and you've got exotic blitzes coming from every direction. If you're playing a whole lot of zone, you need to be using it as a way to disguise coverage and bait into an interception where somebody thinks the guy's single cover and two guys converge what actually was is happening though when you've got no pressure is you're giving all of these receivers for Kansas City time and time and the zone has to continually expand to cover more and more area and from that point on and eventually somebody's going to be standing around with nobody near him cuz you have the zone spread so thin you got guys covering grass that needs to be addressed at a scheme level at a coaching level. And it's not, and it's so bad that the offense, I don't think as it's constructed, has any chance to succeed.
1: Well, to your point, the running game backs, when you look at their uh, run game efficiency, it looked good when they had a chance to run. Um, And part of it is there's always a mix. Some quarter defense coordinators do like 30, 70 zone versus man or 50, 50 or whatever. You can't just run out the same defense over and over again and expect the best quarterback in the NFL to not be able to pick it apart. This reminds me of like a reverse Matt Patricia where – Eberflus is running a zone no matter what. Matt Patricia ran man-to-man no matter what, even if his cornerbacks needed it and they were outgunned severely. He just gave them no help and they got shredded. And it's the zone version of that. And maybe in general against like rookie quarterbacks, they keep it close because the safeties can keep them underneath. But like you said, it's a combination. You don't have pass rushers and they actively avoided pass rushers other than the last second signing of Indocway. But one guy's not enough. You can scheme to slow down one guy. So... Um, moving on yeah. to the Sunday night game onto the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Raiders. From
0: awful defensive coaching to great defensive coaching, the Steelers finally got back to being the Steelers in this game. There's also their first game that, against not an elite defensive front. That might have said something had something to do with what was going on in this game. This was another one of those controlled blowouts, a defensive snuff out.
1: Never felt most of the Raiders game. were in it.
0: Even as uh, Devontae Adams was going insane, yeah, he was the only one. They couldn't run the ball. The Steelers were, they finally ditched their zone run concepts uh, in the middle of last game, and they went entirely with it, and it just looked like man-mashing.
1: They were opening up holes with double-team blocks the way that they have for the last 60 years. Oh, so you mean they adjusted from game to game after stuff didn't work on, like, the Bears' coaching staff? Weird yep. how it works and results in getting to two and one after that. Um, yeah, I mean they look great. I, I don't have much to say. It's the defense looking great, and Adam still going off reminds me of those like NBA games where they're just like, we'll let the star player score fifty. And he'll eventually get tired from shooting the ball. He won't be able to lift his shooting arm in the fourth quarter and beat us anymore. And and eventually, you know, Adams will be tired from catching so many passes and running around, he won't be able to move in the fourth quarter. I don't think that was a schematic. I think Adams is just that good. <laughs> but uh, right, it just cracked it was, me up. You knew
0: where it was going. I think there was that – what was that screen pass that so they threw the where – Devonte Adams was in double coverage and he kind of alligator armed it because he didn't want to die. And not dying is good. Yeah, and he kind of looked over at him like, Why are you throwing me that ball? <laughs> <laughs> well, because, in, in, because in the quarterback? Because Garoppolo's like, because you caught everything else.
1: <laughs> well, in the in, in Garoppolo's fault. Uh, usually those screens they're if a screen pass goes wrong it's almost never on the quarterback because you have to just throw those immediately and trust the blockers to be set up that's why going back to the coaching stuff when fields through that pick six again on a screen pass on his five yard line that's on the coach for calling that play not not on the quarterback for throwing the interception the quarterbacks has to trust that the play is going to develop because they get the ball and they throw it immediately you know so i don't blame jimmy g i blame the coaches yeah. um uh, but yeah t- Twenty targets for 172 yards and two touchdowns, man.
0: For Adams, yeah,
1: yeah, wow. yeah, he was balling. But, but other than uh, that, it didn't yeah. matter. They're still blown out. <laughs> yeah,
0: this was a game where they used the running game to you know, to take some of the air out of the football. They had the ball at the end of the first half, and even no, and and Neil knelt on the ball. I mean, it was total Steelers game. They asked less of pick it. I gotta say, um, Mike Tomlin had one of the all-time coaching quotes, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing here. But, basically when they were hearing the booze and the chance to fire Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, Tomlin basically said, hey, it is our job as the coaches and players to entertain the fans. We want them to be fat and sassy. This is we want them to have to complain about, you know, things that we would. So let's go out there and we're going to get a win. And they did. Yep. So I hey. got to give credit to Tomlin for getting, keeping the noise out of the building for changing the things that they needed to change and coming out and beating a team that they needed to beat. And at the same time, you've look at what happened on the other side with Josh McDaniels, the, You've got McDaniels. This. this, Why wasn't he in the Chargers Vikings game? He (laughs) went for a. He will play the
1: Chargers twice this year.
0: He went for a field goal inside the Steelers 10 yard line, down eight in the last four minutes.
1: Oh, it was like with two minutes to play. Like it was even less than that. Like it's funny. I was just looking that up. I mean, that's. That's he's like, like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> and sure enough, they never got the ball back. Let me see. That t- that field goal went through the uprights with 225 on the clock. <laughs> oh, man. It's so funny. I like, it's he's, I don't know why he's an NFL head coach after he did that weird stuff with the, um, with the Colts where he took the job and then let and then bailed on it to go back to new England. I, I don't get it. I mean, nobody he seems... should have ever given him a job offer. No, after that. I, I would never trust him again. And he was bad in Denver before the Raiders in the same division. They saw it. Um, I mean, I guess he's one of those guys. He's a, he's, a, he's an okay enough offensive coordinator when your defense is coached by Belichick, but I don't know. I I'm, I'm actually surprised he wasn't fired last year in his first year because the Raiders did not look good. Um, And, you know, just to tie a bow off on this game, I will say if the season were to end today, the Steelers and Tomlin's winning record streak would be going on because they are two and one and have a winning record again. This off to get to nine wins, seven more, but still.
0: On to the Monday night game where the Cincinnati Bengals rushed Joe Burrow back. He toughed it out and they won
1: a relative snooze fest. I think it's funny. We both called Cincinnati to win this game, but I thought it was going to be a shootout because the Rams' defense hadn't been good and their offense had been kicking, and you know the Bengals' pass defense hadn't been great. And it ended up being just this weird, just lopsided, disjointed game. But I think that was really good for Cincinnati because they just needed to win. They were 0-2 you know um joe burrow came into the game banged up they kept showing signs of you know shots on the sideline between play, uh between drives where he'd have that thing on his calf to keep him going uh to keep it warmed up so he doesn't pull it or anything and um you know just win baby you know going back to the raiders old uh, head coach um uh not own, a head coach owner uh, al davis um And it was good to see Jamar Chase finally do something for his fantasy owners, catching 12 balls for 141 yards. It was interesting because he did have the one big play, but for the most part he was kind of just moving the ball. It's like a glorified chain mover, but it was good to see him get going because they needed that. And they needed just to get the win, whether it was ugly or not, ugly wins still count. So congratulations on that. Um, I feel bad for the owners of a lot of the Rams because they had all the hot uh pickups in Dynasty or in, in Fantasy uh that didn't quite come through. Although Atwell did catch a touchdown, he got one call back.
0: This was kind of a weird game from a usage standpoint, because you look at the Rams and they got way away from the running game. It was they, close the whole way. And they only and they only had 13 designed runs. No, thirteen runs total because that well, includes one Matt Stafford.
1: Yeah, and two two of them were two run, and the receivers had two running. I I kept looking at this because I saw Kyron Williams not putting up fantasy points, and I was like, Oh, did they bring in another guy? Did he get McVade?" No, he had ten carries. Two to Atwell and Van Jefferson are receivers. They each had one, and then Stafford had one. <laughs> he was the only running back yeah. to carry the ball. They just the Bengals had. The
0: the Bengals had over 70 plays. The Rams had under 50. So time of possession was killer here. Mm. And I don't know what happened because this game was close the whole way. With the Rams up for a lot of it.
1: Yeah. But hey, congratulations to the Bengals. You got off the snide. And um, you know your 0-2 starts for the last five years um have often not come to hurt you in the long run and it's and, and you know like they might be getting right now you know so um they
0: they are alternating T Higgins, Jamar Chase, Boyd had a good game this game so all the receivers are there it's basically coming down to Joe Burrow making smart decisions that, as to which one is not getting enough coverage
1: boom there he goes sense. Mixon's still getting his volume. He had six, six, 19 carries and a touchdown. Um, I will say, if you if, if you were on the Irv Smith bandwagon, don't even touch. They they have a three tight end rotation. If you're in fantasy, it's not even worth it, despite how explosive their offense might be. Shall we move on to the previews and the one more thing? From from Monday night to right. Thursday night, we have a three day off between our games. We got uh, the Lions at. The Packers and Lambeau Field, baby. This is your team. This is your night. Can we see a changing of the guard? Uh, as we saw at the end of last season when the Packers or sorry, Lions intercepted Aaron Rodgers' last pass as a Packer.
0: What do you mean, changing of the guard? The Lions have beaten the Packers three straight. Well, in
1: that case, I for your sake, I hope it's not a change in the guard back to the Packers.
0: <laughs> yeah. The Old the injuries worry me very much. Mm-hmm. Primetime at Lambeau does not, because the Lions, even before Dan Campbell, have played relatively well at Lambeau. This is a team that really was designed to
1: beat the Packers when they're at their best. The problem is all these injuries. Mm. Well, speaking of injuries, too, though, because it's a short week, we only have um, at the time of this recording, it's in two days, Um the, the Packers training staff has historically been very conservative with bringing people back from injuries. So there is a very good chance, despite what the Packers are saying, Christian Watson and Aaron Jones will probably be held out one more game to give them the full extra 10 days. Cause they look at the long run. So you guys are missing guys, but they might, but we don't know. They still might be back, but I would, I would assume they probably won't play on a short week.
0: But that would be, be- that would be uh, typical for the M.O. of
1: the Packers. Yeah, know? just based on their track record. Yeah.
0: I've, but even both of these teams are banged up coming mm-hmm. into this game. I really feel like the Packers are probably going to come out ahead just because they're less banged up. But it basically comes down to can the Lions defensive front do what due to the Packers, what they just did to the Falcons? Because if that happens, the Lions have a shot in this game. Yes, Garrett, Jared Goff has shown that he will find open guys somewhere, even if it's for seven, even if it's somebody, you know, on a three yard scrape route on third and 10. That's the guy that's getting the ball. They'll get yards. The question is, will they hold the Packers down long enough?
1: Yeah, so I guess my one more thing is I want to see if um I want to see Jordan love and I want to, I want to take a careful look to see it, how good he looks and if it's more him. Cause you know, there's always a certain percentage of when an offensive passing game is going, who's doing the heavy lifting. Is it the receiver or the quarterback? A healthy team has both like with Mahomes to Travis Kelsey, but sometimes you have, you know, the receivers in Atlanta do all the work. And sometimes you have the quarterbacks do all the work and Right now, it sounds to me like the playmakers are doing maybe 60, 70 percent of the work and Love is doing a good job, good enough job getting it there. But I want to see it with my own eyes and really pay attention this week because I've been at games the last two weeks, so I haven't been able to watch as much uh, football as I normally would like to. So we joke about in Cations, we lost. We watch less football because we're at a game. We can't watch all the other games as much, you know. So I look forward to seeing this on Thursday night. It should be a fun one. Good old good rivalry, you know. I think it's going to be think? the two teams that's going to decide the division. It's not the Bears or the Vikings. Who do you think is going to win? I'll take the Lions. I just think that um, they're just there. They just – they they're, they're still a young and upstart team, but they've kind of had a year of this last year where the Packers tore it down and they're rebuilding it back up. So when you talk about, like, teams, you know, like the, on the timeline, I think – they're not a full year behind the Lions, but they're just they're right there. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. So I got Onto the, the
0: Sunday games. What did you take? Uh, I think the Packers, just because okay. the the sheer number of injuries for the Lions scare me. Okay. The Bears and the Broncos. If somebody had a gun to your head and you had to bet one of these two games, are you taking the Bears plus three at home, or are you taking <laughs> the Jets plus
1: nine and a half at home? against so, the chiefs uh, uh, i would definitely take neither to cover or at least definitely not taking the colts to, i'm not taking the jets to cover uh, not zach wilson i'm i hope the bears do not play the jets this year because that would be a catastrophe um I, I think roger goodell is saying the same thing uh, well this is the, the the joke is that this is a sunday at 1 p.m game but it should be a wednesday at 1 a.m game so nobody has to see it <laughs> Um, and I want to add to, we do have Sunday morning games. They're just in London. Um, the oh, Falcons yeah. play the Jaguars, um, in London. So at 9 30 AM Eastern time on ESPN, um, in case, just so you miss oh. it, don't forget to set your lineups early and yeah, annual um, Wembley game. Uh, Jaguars will play two in a row in London, by the way, they actually are the winningest team in London history. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know, man, I, I don't even know what to watch for anymore. Um, I want to watch to see if Sean Payton up and quits or if Matt Everflutes gets fired in the middle of the game, like in the middle <laughs> of the game, not after in the middle of the game, I could see either of those situations happening. Um, Me and my buddy Gino have a shot bet. Cause we, it's not really a shot bet. Whoever loses does a shot, um, but it's not really a bet because the loser might drink himself to death anyways. It's one of those, you know, don't take a shot
0: every time. The yeah, the Bears blow, blow coverage because you will die?
1: Yeah, well, no, it's just the loser drink. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, just one shot. But uh, 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 I'll go with the Bears just because why not? Might as well just try one last time. The Bears kind of turned it around last year offensively, and maybe they'll figure out to lean on the run game Um, I do think the Bears have the talent to be okay. I just agree with you. I think the coaching staff is not there. And remember, they came off a catastrophe with the defensive coordinator resigned amongst a big scandal against the Super Bowl champions. So, I mean, that's a tough matchup anyways, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't want to make any excuses.
0: To me, I think the most important thing from this game is to get Justin Fields against a team that they actually have a reasonable shot against and see if he's got a pulse. Is he, you know, is there any point in even thinking about Justin Fields as a quarterback going forward? Or is he just permanently forked?
1: We got two shots at Caleb Williams. Go whoever's playing the Panthers. Moving onwards. (laughs) Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm, I think I'm going to, I got to take the Broncos until the Bears show me a sign of life because I I really,
1: I'm going to change horse team. I'm going to change the same. I'm with you. I don't see you. You called it last week. The bears sideline looked like they quit easily. And I think you can never bet on a team like that. And that won't change until the coaching staff is shake, shaken up. So I'm, I'll go with the Broncos too. Um, Got to have, co- have a culture change. Yep. On to the, the former Browns at the new Browns uh, Ravens at Browns. Uh, what do you want? What's your one more thing for this game? Similar to last time,
0: I'm I'm still seeing the Ravens as a legitimate defense with a legitimate team, legitimate playoff hopes. Gosh, Watson's got to do it again. He's got to show me that last week was not the fluke, and if we go right back to what
1: we saw the first couple weeks from him, it's not going to bode well. So that would definitely be mine because – The Titans have a good defense, but they're good against the run and not good against the pass. So we didn't we we learned enough to know that he can't he's not terrible, but we don't know if he's good. And I agree with that. So since you got that one, I'll just say I want to see if the Browns defense can continue to terrorize quarterbacks and uh, slow down Lamar this week, you know, and single handedly will them to another win. Cause uh, they're what two and one now, so they're doing good, and this will be a great one. I mean, uh, Brown, uh, you know, this could decide the division as we keep talking about. But I mean, Steelers are two and one, Ravens two and one, Browns two and one. Bengals showed life. Let's go. Uh, I want to. The...
0: I want to pick the Ravens in this game because at least I wanted to at first because Harbaugh's a good coach. I gotta believe they're gonna reevaluate what happened in the last game and come back harder with the Browns. But I just can't. I feel like the Browns are going to control the line of scrimmage when they when the Ravens have the ball, and with what the Ravens do, that is going to be very difficult unless Lamar Jackson just goes insane. I think the Browns are going to win.
1: I'm I'm going to stick with my preseason, and I I think that the Browns are a better team. And the Ravens show looked good for three weeks, two weeks, but they they start to show their uh, cracks, in my opinion, and I think that. Um, the just have a better talent, and I think um, they're, they're prime talent. The Ravens have a lot of older guys, and we're starting to see injuries underratedly build up b- b- for them. Speaking, Sticking into, um, <clears throat> in the same division, um, the Bengals are at, at Tennessee playing uh, the Titans defense that made uh, Watson look good. So what I want to see is I want to see if Burrow can do more than just win a game and actually look like Joe Burrow throwing to Jamar Chase against a— pass funnel defense and this is the time that he should go off for 400 yards in my opinion this is good yeah i think the bengals are going to just
0: carpet bomb the titans i don't think the titans have any chance whatsoever of slowing down the bengals offense unless the bengals just brain cramp and decide they're going to run the ball 60 times or something i just don't see it happening what i'm looking for here is um is I want to see some of the uh, defensive uh, pass rushers get involved here for the Bengals in what's probably going to be a pin-your-ears-back type of game, and let's see what kind of pressure they can bring.
1: Yeah, like Trey Hendricks and Sam Hubbard. Let's go. Yeah. So um moving up uh, staying within so the rams are uh, our honorary midwest team as they were on the road in cincinnati last week and they will be on the road in indianapolis this week so they probably won't even leave the state uh our area because they're going from ohio to indiana um what's one more thing that you want to see in this game
0: uh well i am curious of what happens with the rams usage but we don't normally cover that team we did talk about that too yeah i want uh, yeah with the colts it's more along the lines of I want to continue to see the Colts offensive line up against Aaron Donald and that the name pass mm-hmm. rushers that are coming up against them let's see how good this Colts line really is because if they hold up against those guys then you are gonna
1: you might start to see that line move for Colts to win the AFC South hey let's be specific Aaron Donald versus I think it's Quentin Johnson. He was the best guard in football for, like, three years versus the best defensive player in football for the past three years. Um, Let's go. Um, Yeah, so I want to see continued – I want to see what happens with uh, the quarterback play. As always, if Anthony Richardson's back from his concussion, I want to see how he balls out, you know. I think it will be fun. He's going to continue to be fun to watch. um, And he might take steps backwards, but I think this is a winnable game and the Colts could be 3-1 and by the end of this. Um, I'm going to – that being said, I'm gonna take McVay and the Rams. I think they're still frisky. They're well coached, um, and maybe me hating on the Colts will keep them winning. <laughs> maybe I I do feel the Rams in a
0: bounce back here where they'll they'll reevaluate. The Colts are on a high. The Rams are on a low, and that they tend to level out in the NFL. Yeah, onto the Vikings and the Panthers in the battle of the basement. So man alive the the vikings are a train wreck i really want to see them sort out some sort of competent running game it looked like they had it against a team that wanted to let them run last week we'll see what happens against a bad panthers team this week but oh man i really feel like the vikings at some point they're going to have to steal one but i think the panthers man until the vikings get it together they, they'll ju- the vikings are at a point where they'll beat themselves
1: i glad you said that because i think the loser of this gets the inside track for the number 1 overall pick or viking panthers they don't have their pick but i think that this is one of those games where the vikings will fall face first into a victory because they're going to do just enough to screw themselves out of a high high draft pick. I feel like the Bears do this all the time. The Vikings will probably do it, and that's it's going to be one of those things where the Vikings will win. They'll talk to them. They'll talk. They'll talk themselves into bouncing back the rest of the season, and then they'll ultimately look back onto this win as a game they should have lost. Um, because I think their offensive playmakers are so good that they can pass all over the Panthers. And as bad as the Vikings defense is, are you threatened by like former Viking in his revenge game, Adam Thielen and Hayden Hurst, you know, and Bryce Young hasn't looked good. Andy Dalton came in last week and was better than him. And he wasn't and, yeah. good either. Like, Andy Dalton to Adam
0: Thielen has been very good in the limited time that they've shown together. But I agree with what you're saying. Fundamentally, it's not, you know, the second coming of Montana to Rice either.
1: And I don't think either team is particularly well coached. It's a light version of the Chargers Vikings game, but I just don't think the Panthers have nearly the talent as the Chargers. And that's why I think the Vikings will still win, regardless of their bad coaching and their decisions. Um, What I want to see in this game, I I, I jumped to the pick before the one more thing. I want to see what they do with the running backs. Is this Cam Akers time or are they going to keep riding with uh, Madison? Good question. i I think I said what I thought on that particular
0: question up top. But
1: true. But that's yeah. just what I want to see. <laughs> I want to see your question play out. You know. Yeah. All right. Our last game. All the early slates. We got the Steelers versus the CJ Stroud led tennis Houston Texans. Oh, I always want to see how uh see how rookie Stroud does against the Steelers front seven, who has been terrorizing t- guys. Uh, Stroud's been looking good for a rookie, but. I don't think he's faced a front like the Steelers yet, and that's what I – he's going to be a hot plug-and-play start in, in a lot of fantasy leagues this week, and I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed by it. And I don't think they should jump off the bandwagon if he struggles against the Steelers. Yeah, um, I,
0: yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that stuff because, to your point, C.J. Stroud has been by far the best rookie quarterback. Not and- even close. Yeah, he's the one that looks like he might actually be legit because he's making guys in the wide receiver and tight end groups that people have to Google who they are. He's making them look good, and he's doing it with no run game because his entire offensive line is hurt.
1: They didn't have Everything. Larry Matunso last week.
0: Yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's like It's like C.J. Stroud, a bunch of young, highly drafted receivers – and five wrestling jobbers that they dragged off the street to go fight the champion.
1: Yep. And I just want to say, it's funny when you look back on how we evaluate quarterbacks and people go, well, CJ Stroud against that Georgia defense that has all NFL players with Marvin Harrison out and all of his receivers done, led a game-winning drive that was missed field goal. But what else do you want to see out of him? Well, it's not enough. It's just kind of funny when you look back on it, and you, you pick a choose, you know your your major games, and people still were down on it, but he showed what he needed to show, but and he's continuing to go forward. Sorry, this is the Buckeye and me, he's Midwest, but but I, I still think he's going to lose this week to the Steelers. I think the Steelers have a better all around team, but I think Stroud to his receivers are a very fun story. Yeah. last week Pickett
0: kind of you know, had the ball taken out of his hands to some extent, at least a little bit, exactly. and wasn't great against the um, the Raiders. This is another team that he needs to be able to throw the ball against. At the same time, it's also one that they probably don't need to, need to throw a ton to win. So I'm looking for not necessarily a volume of passing from Pickett, but that he avoids mistakes. The kind of stuff that gets him uh in trouble with the coaches and maybe puts his his job in trouble. I don't see it happening. Uh I I think the Steelers are gonna win this game regardless. They're just so much further along in their development and culture than the than the Texans are.
1: Question. If the Steelers struggle in the running game and Najee Harris has a fourth bad uh fantasy football game, is it time to panic if you're if you own Najee or Jalen Warren? <laughs>
0: It's already time to panic if you own Najee Harris, because this is this has developed into a 50 50 timeshare with Jalen Warren right now. And Jalen, in terms of the rushing, plus Jalen Warren is getting the passing down work. Mm -hmm. So I don't think either one of them is viable in fantasy unless something happens to the other. But uh, if you spent a high draft pick on Najee Harris, which is something that I was recommending because then this has gone south faster than could possibly believe. Najee Harris has gotten in trouble with his coaches because he is, he was doing what I was talking about, um, Jameer Gibbs was doing earlier, where he's trying to make everything a gigantic play. And oh, he he's not that to, And he That's keeps trying game. to bounce stuff to the outside and trying to keep plays alive. Mm-hmm. I mean the first in his rookie year he was well used in the passing game and didn't he have some random game oh, with like he had, 12
1: targets or something like that oh, he had a lot of catches in his rookie year they don't throw him anymore and so just heads up I was double checking he did have twice as many carries as Jalen Warren but if you're in a full point PPR Warren gets a lot of catches like he's he's a one of the leading running backs of it and he makes good plays out of it he'll take like a dump pass and get you know 15 yards out of it so that's the most explosive i see any of them but yeah yeah, i agree 19 for 60 yards was not impressive against the raiders in my book
0: yeah it's another roshan johnson scenario where it's only a matter of time Mm. it is only a matter of time yeah but on that note i think that's about all the time we have for you today on the midwest football podcast if you've got uh something to add. If what are you looking for in these games? Let us know with, the, with our email address, Midwest Football Podcast at gmail.com. Or just tell us we're idiots. We don't care. We like to hear from you. Thank you to all of our listeners for spending time with us this week. Thank you to our Brayman for our intro and outro. Thank you to Chris Bradley for our logos. But we are taking it to the locker room for another week. We will come back next week for episode 25 already. And when that happens, we will see you later. I miss
1: you already.